Our text today is from Acts 21, verses 17 through 40. Again, that's Acts 21, verses 17 through 40. When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. They are all zealous for the law, and they have been told about you, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself among them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. Then Paul took the men and the next day he purified himself along with them and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each one of them. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law in this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was stirred up, and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another, and as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd, for the mob of the people followed, crying out, away with him. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, may I say something to you? And he said, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus and Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be God. You may be seated. Good morning again. What a place to end saying this is the word of the Lord. We are delighted to be with you with our HTC family. One of the uh, joys of the Christian life and Christian ministry 
is that you gain friends and colleagues and associates along the way. And certainly that is true as it uh, pertains to uh, my family at HTC. The phrases, good trouble and necessary trouble, have made their way into the vernacular of our country and world through the life and legacy of the late John Lewis, passed away a little over a year ago. Early on, John Lewis was a champion for justice. He was passionate about the rights of the marginalized and underserved people. For over three days, three decades, John served as a congressman from the state of Georgia. Check this out, folks. Forty times he was arrested. On March 7th, 1965, known as Bloody Sunday, Lewis suffered a fractured skull when he participated in the march that took the group across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. Here's a tweet from John Lewis on June, uh, in June 2018. Do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful, be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. Huh? These words uttered by John Lewis centuries, I mean, uh, uh, decades ago, sort of pertain and have application to our passage on today, huh? Good trouble. Gospel trouble, brothers and sisters, is good trouble. Is it not, huh? We encounter trouble when we, in earnest, subscribe to being gospel people, huh? Allegiance to Jesus, standing up for the gospel of the grace of God through Jesus can get us in trouble. Ask Paul. Huh? Ask Peter. Ask Stephen. Ask many unknown people, people unknown to you and me around the world about getting in trouble because of the gospel. But can I bring it closer to home today? Allegiance to Jesus can get you in trouble. It can get you in trouble within your own family, with friends and co-workers, with the government, with subscribers to other religions. Huh? So here's my prayer for this passage, this message today. I pray that through this passage in Acts 21, 
that each of us would be compelled to count the cost for allegiance to Jesus. Huh? That we would reassess our allegiance. How are you doing on your allegiance to Jesus? That we would renew our pledge of allegiance to him. Huh? When's the last time you did a little math? Counted the cost of allegiance to our Lord. Huh? The text will help us to see that this sermon series title, All for the Gospel, it's more than just a sermon series title. That should be a banner that hangs over your life and hangs over my life too. Huh? My prayer is that the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 15, 14 and 15 would actually grip us. Listen to this. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded that one has died for all, therefore all died, and here it is, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for them, for him, for whom sake died and was raised. So, Father, help us this morning as we tune in not only our ears, but our hearts to what you have said through your word in Acts 21. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts 21. Did you notice, brothers and sisters, that, that at the end of the chapter, we find a battered, bruised, incarcerated apostle, Paul. There he is, having just been dragged from the temple, beaten, I mean, they were trying to kill him. He was rescued. And, and, and think about this. Battered and bruised, there he is at the end of the chapter. He had requested permission to speak in verse 39. The very ones who had seized him and dragged him out of the temple beat him. He wanted to speak to those very people. The ones who had tried to kill him. That's the way. The chapter ended, but the passage did not begin that way, did it? <laughs> Matter of fact, what we see at the end of the passage actually contrasts with the way that our passage began. Take a look at it. Chapter, Acts chapter 21, verse 17. When he had come to Jerusalem, that's Paul, the brothers received us gladly. Front end, <laughs> glad reception. Back end, brutal rejection. Huh? And here we have it here. The brothers had received him gladly, but on the back end, the non-believing Jewish opposition had treated him badly. Back end, front end, back end. 
what happened in between. But back on the front end, the reception included the welcome of James. That was Jesus' half-brother who was the head of the church of Jerusalem, but also the other elders. You see that? As a matter of fact, look at verses 18 through 20. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. Huh? What a reception. Talking about how God was at work among a non-Jewish people bringing them to Christ. Huh? Their interaction included what we see in the rest of, 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 of verse 20 there. It said, and they said to him, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. Let's stop right there. So not only were there Gentile converts, in that day, God was bringing people from the nations into the family of God. And when God saves, whether that is Jew or Gentile, it is worthy of our applause, it is worthy of celebrating what God is doing in the world in and through the gospel, brothers and sisters, that you and I have been entrusted with. We worship an awesome God. We give glory to the great God of salvation that we love and have the privilege of serving. Huh? Jewish people had been coming to Christ. They had received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But something else was going on. Though saved by faith, many, verse 21, remain zealous of the law. Their, their walk, as it were, included Thick practices like circumcision and other customs as still a part of the way that they were living. It could be akin to walking with a cane, but you don't really need a cane. It's an accessory, so to speak. Or, or having on, I don't know, this is going to date me, uh, Sansa belt pants. Anybody remember Sansa belts? Um, Barbara, yeah, I feel you on that one. She, she said, but it sort of has an elastic kind of waistband, so you don't need a belt and you don't need suspenders. But the Jewish people of that day who were Christian, but they had on suspenders and a belt anyway. Yeah. It wasn't particularly necessary, but they had these accessories that they no longer needed, but they had grown accustomed to accessorizing the gospel. Did you know that the gospel doesn't need accessorizing? Huh? Oh, and the things that we try to add, various, various denominational traditions, that they, they raise them and sometimes almost equal to the gospel itself. Foul. Foul, not to be, huh? 
that presented. And then what was happening, there were those who were talking about the word on the street about Paul was that he was anti-Moses. That was not true, huh? But, it, but the, the leaders in Jerusalem had to deal with this because they were protecting two things in this process. They were protecting, number one, the integrity of the gospel, okay? But they were also re- protecting the reputation of a man, huh? They both were at stake in what was going on. Some would criticize the leaders for where they landed, huh? They viewed their actions as a compromise. But that's not the only way to view what we see here. Or I would say not likely the best way to view what we see here. Huh? Their decision in that we see Paul, Paul was a gospel messenger, both protect, respected and protected by this leadership decision and choice huh affirmation and support of the messenger paul the actions of the leaders in jerusalem had the good of the gospel and the respect for the messenger in view and their efforts were designed to correct false notions about paul the messenger and this is what they decided hey paul there's a way that you can demonstrate that you're not anti-moses You can publicly demonstrate that you're not as was rumored by engaging in rights that were prescribed by the very law that they say that you're against. And that's what, what the plan mentioned and was executed. That's what it was designed to do. You say, well, Paul, but was not this consistent with the way Paul operated? Turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and begin reading. I want to begin reading at verse 19. This was consistent with Paul's principle that he states here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Look at verse 20. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to what? Win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, the not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside the law. Paul's operating principle and what we see in Acts 21 was very consistent with that. Uh, Their efforts were designed to quiet the concerns about Paul. And in this process, check out, look at uh, back at Acts chapter 21. In this process, guess what they do? They also affirm the decision that was made at the uh, council in Jerusalem council in Acts chapter 15. Look at verse 25. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment 
that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. They're not under constraint of Mosaic law, but they are do, there are constraints that are good and right and proper for human health and flourishing. Huh? When I look at this particular passage, there's some words, brothers and sisters, that I believe are in order as it relates to leadership. Boy, leadership can be tough, regardless of the domain that you find yourself in, whether business or academia or medicine or wherever. Leadership has its challenges, but leadership decisions must be made that facilitate harmony and unity without compromising the gospel. Leaders are to labor for harmony in the gospel and the flourishing of people. How many Tuesday evenings, Rich, had we spent downtown of the Monotnock building or before that on the west side or in various locations Making decisions, agonizing over decisions that would, uh, that would maintain the integrity of the gospel, the peace and the prosperity of the church. Leadership has to make hard, difficult decisions that are consistent with harmony and gospel unity and sometimes that can be tough, huh? When, we're de- when we deal with people who have been discipled spiritually and sometimes culturally malformed. But we have to allow the gospel to speak into those situations and sometimes the gospel generates pain in the process. And hey, here's something else. Leaders are not perfect. We don't always get it right. And sometimes that means being subjected to criticism. Those who lead God's people need your prayers. Leaders need prayer to guard the gospel and shepherd people, guarding against compromise in the process. HTC leaders, regardless of where, who you are and what office you hold, the gospel needs you. The church needs you. And the church needs you at your best. Not calling for perfection from none of us, but at our best. So what this means, stay well. Take care of yourselves. Stay under the gospel. Be guarded by the gospel yourselves. Paul tells the Ephesian elders in words that are appropriate for leaders today. In Acts 20, 28, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock, check this out, of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers 
You may have gone through a, an election, a selection, and a voting process, but ultimately it's God who has appointed you. Be shepherds of the flock of God, which he bought with his own blood. Huh? While there will be challenges from within, as we seek to guard the gospel and honor God, challenges from without are also very real. And that's where these challenges that Paul faced as we move on through this chapter came from. That resulted in Paul being battered and bruised and busted at the end of this chapter. You may recall, and I appreciated it, Joe's sermon from a few weeks ago that helped set some good tracks and some framework as we understand Luke volume one, Luke volume two. But Luke's pattern was to highlight challenges from gospel rejecting Jews. And just as Jesus had his eyes on Jerusalem was going there, so did Paul in Acts, huh? And as Jesus encountered opposition and rejection in Jerusalem, so did Paul. Huh? <laughs> you remember, I mean, take a look back at, at Acts uh, 21 and 11. Here was Agabus, the prophet, speaking about what would befall Paul when he got to Jerusalem. Look at there, coming to us, he, that's Agabus, took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over into the hands of the Gentiles. Guess what? Agabus was a true prophet, was he not? Because it came to pass, uh, in verses 17 through 26, what we've covered, the gospel of the gospel and the gospel messenger were respected and protected. But in verses 27 through 40, the gospel messenger and the message were disrespected and rejected. Huh? That's what we see in the verses. Just what happened. What was it that prompted Paul's arrest, unbelieving Jews had made their way to Jerusalem. And when they saw Paul in the temple, they cried foul because they thought that he had brought Gentiles into the sacred space that was outside of the court of the Gentiles were allowed. But they thought that they had brought, the, had brought these uncircumcised people, these Gentiles, into the temple precincts that were not allowed for them, and they were e would even, could even be met with death if they sort of tre treaded on that holy ground outside of the court of the Gentiles. Huh? So they accused him of bringing him into that space. But after the beating and arrest, uh, that's what we see. Look at the words that we see in verse 36. They're interesting words because there was sort of a, <laughs> a judgment from the court of, of public opinion, at least those around. They said, for the mob of the people followed crying away with him. 
The mob had been riled up in a way and put in an anti-Paul posture. And they were crying away with him. They wanted him dead. Has echoes of what we hear from Luke and, and from Jesus in Luke chapter 23. Away with this man. They said about Jesus and released to us Barabbas. At the end of Paul's testimony about God's grace in his life, here in Acts, look at Acts chapter 22, verse 22, because even after his testimony about God's grace, they echo these words again. Look at 22, 22. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, away with such a man from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. Huh? Away with him on the front end before his testimony and preaching Rejection away with him on the back end after his testimony and preaching. Huh? By the time we encounter Paul at the end of Acts 21, he was in gospel trouble, brothers and sisters. Trouble because he had embraced the gospel. Trouble because he stood for it. Trouble because his communication of it. Trouble because his life was marked by it. But it was the kind of trouble that Paul did not run from. Huh? He was all in for the gospel. How do you view trouble because of the gospel? Huh? Paul was all in. Are you reassessing our allegiance to Jesus? Are you willing to be in trouble for the gospel? Just think about that. Trouble is not a word that we embrace, is it? Huh? From childhood, most of us have been encouraged to avoid trouble. Huh? But sometimes there are times we must stare things that are unpleasant, unpleasant circumstances, unpleasant tasks, and people in the face, and prayerfully and carefully Enter into the fray. The fray that John Lewis would call necessary trouble. Gospel trouble, friends, is necessary trouble. No one teaches us to do this better than Jesus, huh? God's mysterious and amazing plan for our well-being meant trouble for him, including Death. Listen to Mark chapter 10, verse 33. Jesus saying, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Jesus' words. <laughs> I'm headed into trouble. It doesn't look good for me. But that's my calling. Huh? Jesus endured the ugly words and actions of human hearts to secure the well-being of all who believe in him, including those of us who are here today. How many of us, brothers and sisters, play it safe? 
We hesitate to speak or act in ways that aren't our God. Huh? In the name of avoiding trouble. Huh? In the name of playing it safe. May the example of Jesus and Paul compel us today to act in ways that affirm that gospel trouble is good trouble. Allegiance to Jesus will cause you to adjust your posture as it relates to trouble. It will cause you to face trouble that you'd rather not face. It will compel you to go places you'd rather not go. And to face people you'd rather not encounter. To have conversations that you'd really not rather have. To invest To make investments that cost you energy and time and money that you may not want to invest in those ways. It will compel you to carry crosses that you'd rather not carry. Ah, the singing of the church, brothers and sisters, has affirmed the disciples of Jesus through the ages desire. To follow him. The desire to take up our crosses and follow Jesus. You remember I have decided to follow Jesus. What? No turning back. Though none go with me. Now you don't don't mean it. Don't even say it if you don't mean it. Still I'll what? I'll follow. And then there's a song. I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to be one of his disciples. I want to walk in the newness of life. So let me be a follower of Christ. What do I have to do? What do I have to say? How do I have to live each and every day? Tell me how much does it cost? For me to carry the cross. So let me be a follower of Christ. We used to sing this song. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Anybody remember that? Or mountain or plain or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. That's your testimony today. Count up all the costs it takes to walk with Jesus. Count up all the costs. Encourage. Press your claim. Make up your mind to suffer if you would with him reign. And when the battle is over, give glory to his name. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Guess what? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the leader and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross This was trouble. 
<laughs> big time trouble, scorning its shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Listen to Jesus' word in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. And you know what that meant. When you saw someone carrying a cross in that day, they were on their way to crucifixion. Take up the cross and follow me. So what am I saying today? Allegiance to Jesus can be costly. Can I encourage us as we live in a world that desperately, desperately needs an alternative, needs the witness of the gospel through people who represent Christ unashamedly. Oh, that's what's needed. Can I encourage us to reassess our allegiance to Jesus? You may be here listening today, and you find yourself in opposition to the gospel and in opposition to those who embrace it and share it. You can't understand what Paul would sustain bruises and wounds for Christ. You don't understand why people make a big deal of the gospel in Jesus. Is it because you haven't experienced the forgiveness of God through Jesus, huh? who has made us his children by washing away our sin, that has given us a spiritual bath? Huh? Maybe that's the way you feel that way. Oh, but that's why the gospel is such a big deal. It's because we've been to the fountain. Huh? We have received forgiveness through Christ. We want to carry our cross. We want to be one of his disciples. Because we've been to Calvary. Hallelujah. We have been washed. We've been made clean. Lord, I want to give my life to you as an offering of appreciation for what you've done for me. Huh? What shall I give unto the Lord, the psalmist says, for all his benefits to me, huh? You're committed. <laughs> and I trust that your commitment, though it may have faded, would be renewed. If it's grown cold, I pray that it would be warm. Let's not forget what Christ has done for us. May this day be your day to renew your allegiance to Jesus, even if it means trouble. Just know that gospel trouble, brothers and sisters, is good trouble. Father, we love you. We bless you. Jesus, help us to serve you well. Amen.